Hello and welcome to an episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History Podcast, where we look at the cases for the Hall of Fame of numerous NHL players. My name is Riley and I'm with Bill. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. And today we have a ni- the 1983 class, Hall of Fame class, and it is unusual for us because we've been going through a lot of the 80s and 90s classes where there's one no-doubter and a couple other guys who are either like borderline or like they're 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 like they deserve but they're still worth talking a little bit about maybe maybe there's something that keeps them out or stuff and then there's a couple classes where it's like three guys where you're like i'm not sure if any of these guys should be in and then there's the 1983 class um stan makita bobby hall and ken dryden um and i think if you polled a thousand hockey fans I I don't know if you get one person. You'd probably get like three people. Yeah. Contrarians saying one of these guys doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> but uh, given that two of them have um, cases to be considered best ever at their position, and one of them has a case uh, to be considered certainly the best at his position for a decade, um, second best probably, but like still has a case. Um, then uh, that's that's pretty illustrious company, and it's like it's really unusual compared to the last. Who knows? I don't know how many cases uh, classes in a row we've done where there's been at least one guy where we're like, eh! you know, yeah. uh, and uh, especially especially in the late '80s when there were a lot of like they were inducting like guys from the original six where you're just like, I really don't know about this dude. Yeah. Um, and then there's this this so this is going to be an absolute onslaught of stats, especially in the case of the first two players. Um, Dryden has fewer stats because he played shorter amounts of time. That's right. But of course, uh, he was so successful, especially from a team perspective, that it's um, anyway. So we're gonna start off with Stan Makita, who arguably, relatively speaking, has the worst case here, uh, because <laughs> the other two are, like I said, uh, considered best at position or very close to best at position ever. Um, so Makita played the longest of any of them, um, at least in the NHL. Bobby Hall played longer than Makita, but uh, played in the WHA for the entirety of that league's existence, of course. Um, so he played from 58 to 80, which is 22 seasons, 19 of which are quality by our estimation. When he retired, he was sixth all-time in goals with 541. He was second all-time in assists. He's now 18th, which just goes to show you how crazy the 80s and 90s were because he was second when he retired. Now he's 18th, which is a big drop. And he was third all-time in points behind only uh, Gordy Howe and Esposito, and he was Second behind Howe in assists. But he's third all-time in points, and now he's 15th. Um, he was also 10th uh, all-time in plus-minus at his retirement, and he's now 20th, and he's seventh all-time in games at his retirement. Um, he was also uh, third all-time in offensive point shares at his retirement, behind only Gordy Howe and Phil Esposito, and he was fifth all-time in point shares, total point shares at his retirement, behind only Howe, Esposito, Bobby Orr, and Rick Kelly. So illustrious company there. Of course, a lot of that is longevity. At his retirement, he was also ninth all-time assists per game and twelfth all-time in points per game. He has, of course, been knocked off those leaderboards by the 1980s. Era-wise, he uh, of the 13 skaters playing at least uh, 13 modern seasons between 58 and 80, he is second in goals, but he is behind by 169. I'm sorry. So I all morning I didn't sneeze once. <laughs> and we go to record this, and we're like five minutes in, and I'm sneezing. Which yeah. Is um, so he's second in goals for the era, behind 169 behind uh, Phil Esposito. I think it's Esposito. Probably must be. Yeah. He's be third right. in goals per game, but he's first in assists, and he's ahead by 66 assists, so almost an entire uh, 
Like that's a that's a pretty good season. Uh, he's second in assists per game. He's second in points, but he's behind Esposito by over a hundred. So again, like he's so far behind in goals there. He's second in points per game, but he's behind by 0.22, which is a substantial amount. That's a fifth of a point per game. Um, he's first in plus minus, and he's ahead by plus 62, which is pretty impressive. He's second in offensive point shares, again, behind Phil Esposito. He's second in defensive point shares, which is surprising, and first in uh, first forward, but that is a factor in part of longevity and plus minus. And he's second in point shares and first in games. So, you know, by this, he's the second or third best player of his era, of course. Uh, that's a really small group of players, 13 players, because it is a lot of games for that time, but still second best uh player of his era according to that um and of course that doesn't include people like bobby or and bobby hall because neither of those guys played long enough to make this list his 82 game average is 60 uh, sorry 86 points plus 19 which is quite good well over a point per game and his three-year peak from 66 to 69 is a 74 game average of 96 points so that's you know a lot of points over 74 uh point per game and then plus 19 as well um, playoffs, his numbers are a little uh, um, less uh, good, um, and that um, could have lots of things to do with the fact that the Blackhawks uh, perennially disappointed in the playoffs, or uh, the fact the longevity as well, because he did play in the playoffs. The Blackhawks sometimes made the playoffs as not that great a team, as well, in addition to as a contender. So he was eighth all-time in playoff goals at his retirement. He was third all-time in assists behind only Belleville and Howell, and the same with, thing with points, third behind Belleville and Howell. But he was a minus eight, which, I mean, losing a bunch of playoff series and being the first-line center, that's going to happen. Playoff games, he was fifth all-time in his retirement by, behind Henri Richard, Reg Kelly, Belleville and Howell, of course. And then in terms of per game, he was uh, 24th all-time in goals per game in his retirement, 14th in assists per game, and 7th in points per game. So that's noticeably um, – it, it, it's it's not quite as good uh, as regular season stuff. Um, but again, the Blackhawks sort of perpetually um, underperformed, and it could be a chicken and egg question. Yeah. And we see the same thing with the era stuff. Uh, he is 5th in playoff goals for his era, 10th in playoff goals per game. But he's 1st in playoff assists, which is great fourth in playoff assists per game. Again, first in playoff points. That's a longevity thing. Seventh in playoff points per game. But it's worth noting, I just wanted to bring up with the seventh in playoff points per game, he played way more games than all but one player who were in the top six there. So some of this is longevity. He just, he kept playing for a very long time. He was, what was he? He was 39 in his final season. And it's possible that some of his playoff per game numbers were harmed by the fact that he was on a not great Blackhawks team that was still making the playoffs because of the NHL was weird about its playoff format in the seventies and eighties. And so he, he might've been harmed a little bit first in playoff games. And I think it was by a fair number. Yeah. So if we just for era, um, the hockey reference adjustment, um, makes him, uh, a little bit, look a little bit better. Uh, it's plus one point per 82 game, so 87 points, so still point per game player. He's also 14th all-time still to this day in adjusted assists per game. He doesn't qualify for per game uh, stats, uh, sorry, the leaderboards, uh, but if you raise the qualifier to 820 games, he's 20th all-time in adjusted assists per game and 23rd all-time in adjusted points per game, and if you raise it up to 1,230 games, so that's 15 seasons, uh, current seasons. He's 23rd all-time adjusted goals per game and 10th in both assists and points per game. So that, you know, puts him among the elite, but of course that is 1,230 games is a very big sample and tends to exclude older players because they didn't play that long. 
Uh, the versus X adjustment is um, is more positive, and that's partly because it does favor uh, original six players uh, because of the way it's calculated. Um, because there's fewer teams, so it's easier to to be in the top, you know, ten. Um, but it has him as 14th all time in in goals, seventh all time in assists, and fifth all time in points behind only Howe, Gretzky, Yager, and Messier. Wow, that is uh, quite that makes him look a lot better. Um, he doesn't qualify again for the per game leaderboards, but if you raise the qualifier to 820 games, he's 22nd all time in adjusted goals per game, seventh in assists per game, and 11th in points per game. And if you raise it to 1230 games, so again, 15 seasons, he's seventh in assists per game, or sorry, goals per game rather. He's third behind only Gretzky and Howe in assists per game, and fourth in points behind only Gretzky, Howe, and Esposito. So versus X makes him look fantastic. Whether or not we should take that seriously. That's it's the constant debate with the adjusted stat stuff, right? Who knows how seriously to actually take this stuff. Um, so he won two heart trophies, uh, which is tied for the ninth most all time. He was also top five in uh, heart voting uh, three other times. Uh, and of course, he, he would have also been like finishing behind his line mate, Bobby Holm. He was top five in Calder voting. He also won four Art Rosses, which is six tied six most all time. Or it's just six month all time. And he also won two Lady Bings. We don't care about it. Um, in our back check heart revisionist stuff, we had him as the MVP in 64, 65, 67, and 68. As some of those were controversial. I don't think we completely decided, but I gave myself the tiebreaker bill. So tough. <laughs> um, which puts him only behind Gretzky, Howe, and Orr. And then we also had him as the best player those same years. Um, and that's six most ever for our own MVP stuff. So that makes him look very good as well. Uh, he was the first team all-star six times, uh, which is the fourth center all-time behind only Gretzky, Bellavo, and Esposito. So that's very impressive. And he was the second team twice. And that puts him, uh, if you combine the first and second teams, he's, he has the fifth most end-of-season all-star appearances by a center behind Gretzky, Bellavo, Lemieux, and Esposito. So that is uh, remarkable. And... Uh, you know that some of that is longevity, of course, but also he only did those uh, those uh, eight things. Like that was more in the beginning of his career, right? Like he wasn't making those teams in the in the um, mid to late seventies. Um, Hockey Reference has a top five has him as a top five player by point shares four times. Um, worth noting again, he is a pass first player, so point shares doesn't like him as much as goal scorers. Uh, he's top seven, uh, top ten, seven times which is pretty good. He was the best offensive player by offensive point shares only once in 68, but he was top five eight times, and that puts him six most ever. He's also top 10 offensive player nine times. So he never, uh, he never led any, uh, he never led any season in goals, of course, or goals per game. It is worth noting though, due to his longevity, he did some things that not that many players had done. He scored 35 goals uh, five times, which when he retired, he was only one of 15 players to do it. But it gets the lower the number of goals, the more impressive it gets. So 30 goals nine times, one of only seven players at his retirement. 20 goals 14 times, which is pretty impressive. One of only eight players to do so as retirement. Of course, improving health and scoring has made his knocked him off those lists all time. He did lead the league in assists three times, which is weirdly tied third most all time. Apparently, it's very hard to lead the league in assists more than twice. Um, he was also top five eight times, which is tied seventh most, and top ten eight, ten times, which is tied seventh most. So again, um, as a passer, he is he's one of the elite passers in NHL history. He led the league in 
Uh, this is for game twice, which ties him ninth most ever. Again, it seems to be a rare thing to do it more than once. And he's top five nine times in APG, which is the fifth most all-time behind Gretzky, Howe, Lemieux, and Bellabo. So that is very impressive. Um, when he retired, he was one of only two players, along with Bobby Clark, to have 50 assists eight times. And he was only one of two players ever, along with Gordy Howe, to have 40 assists 15 times. So both very impressive. So again, he had, as a passer, he had a quite an impressive peak, but he also had longevity, which is not true of everybody. Um, he led the league in points four times, which is the six, uh, sixth most ever. And he was top five nine times, which is tied third most ever um, behind only Howe and Gretzky. Again, very illustrious company. Also, like I said, so high peak, but then you also go to the longevity, and he had 50 points 18 times, one of only nine players ever, and three at his retirement. The other two were Gordie Howe and Norm Ullman, which is not a name you expect to necessarily hear, but he did play forever. Uh, he was also top five and plus minus three times, and he is um, top ten six times, is fifth most all time, uh, behind only Bork, Gretzky, or and Savard. So uh, that is also... And Serge Savard, obviously, not Denny. Um, so uh, that's also very impressive. And the thing that I always like to point out is the versus X peak, where they look at the best seven seasons and best 10 seasons and how they compare. And again, he this makes him, just like the versus X adjustment for his entire career, this makes him look pretty good. He is 19th all-time in goals for his best seven seasons, fifth all-time in assists behind only Gretzky or Frank Boucher and Esposito, and eighth all-time in points. And it's really similar if you do best 10. It's not very different. It's 17th all-time in goals, 4th all-time assist behind only Gretzky, Boucher, and Esposito, and 6th all-time in points. It's worth remembering or only drops off that because of games played um, and injuries and stuff. So I think the one, um, the one real critique as we sort of alluded to earlier uh, with McKenna's resume is the play, a lack of playoff success. So he was uh, the best player on the 62 Blackhawks who went to the um, finals but didn't win, he led the playoffs in assists, points, and plus-minus. He was also the best player by points on three uh, Blackhawks teams that only uh, did not that did not advance um, to the finals but were in the equivalent of the conference finals in 64 and 68 and then in the actual conference finals in 74. Um, on the one Blackhawks team that did win in 61, he led the playoffs in goals, weirdly, uh, but uh, Bobby Hall outscored him. And I think also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Pelote uh, outscored him as well on that team. Um, and then he was also a uh, top three forward by points on three other uh, uh, runners-up in 65, 71, and 73, where once again Bobby Hall was doing more of the scoring and a bunch of other um, teams that didn't quite get there. But he was in the playoffs an absolute ton and he only has essentially two seasons where he was really, really clearly the best player. He has one other season where he was close to the best forward. Um, and then he has a whole bunch of other playoff uh, teams where he was not the best player. And it's hard to know whether that was because Bobby Hall was just so damn great or whether he was underperforming. Um, they did, you know, the Blackhawks as a team underperformed and, uh, you know, maybe some years that may have been goaltending and, and some years that may have been other things. There's certainly years where he did not score at a point per game and there's other years where he did. You know, he, uh, you know, there's uh, in 76, for example, when they didn't advance, he didn't have any points, but that didn't happen very often. That was maybe, I think, the only time. Usually he was he was a pretty good performer, but he was also minus 
um, almost every playoff series he ever played in, except for that, uh, those, those two runs in 61 and 62. And that may have something to do with, uh, matchups, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, we don't know. We, we were not alive. So, um, it's certainly in the sixties. I think there's only one center who, who's clearly better. Uh, if you, if you think of it as the sixties and that's Bellavo. And then in the seventies, you have Esposito. Yeah. And then by the time, you know, um, Dion is in his prime and Trache is coming along and stuff. Makita is, is, is probably not, he's just not up to his old level. Like he's a consistent performer, but he's, he's old. He's in his mid to late thirties and he's, He's not the same guy, and he's probably not first-line center anymore. So the big question is not that he – you know, he very clearly belongs to the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's got so many accolades, but it's just like where he ranks, and that's more uh, a, a good question for our upcoming episode where we rank the best centers of all time. But it does – I mean, I think it's fairly – I don't think you're going to – too many people are going to object to the idea that he was the the uh, second-best center in the 1960s, right? Yeah, well, it's um... – it's interesting you were saying that about his lack of playoff success, and it's like, well, kept running into, kept running into the Habs, the Leafs, you know, were good, were good for a stretch during the '60s. Um, oh yeah, the Leafs beat them multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, but like there are other really, really good teams, including the Bruins uh, in the yeah. early '70s. You know, so it's like every time they made the final, and there was one of the finals where. I think Tony Esposito was in Nets, and they were they were up in Game Seven, two nothing, and then one of the Habs scored from like behind the blue line, kind of thing, like just took a slapper to go into the zone, and it went in, and it flipped the whole game, and they lost. Um, yeah. So I mean, like they were super close. So they're one of those teams where it's like they were, you know, they could have been um, like almost like a mini dynasty, except these other teams were in their way, and they had guys like Bobby Orr and John Bellivo and, you know, the Habs are always stacked and, you know, so it's like, it's not that they weren't great. It's just the other guys had, you know, a little bit more ammunition kind of thing, or they, they just, like you said before, they might just not have gotten the goaltending when they needed it. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at like, you know, they lost to like the Habs in the early sixties, then they, um, then they beat everybody. Then they lost to the early sixties Leafs, who, as you said, Bill were quite good. Then they lost to Gordy Howe, you know, then they lost to, I'm, I'm just, it's not loading. Then they lost to Gordie Howe again, you know, uh, then they lost to the, uh, the Habs, the sixties Habs were of course getting to be fantastic again. Then they lost to Gordie Howe again, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, then they lost to the, this, the last Leafs team to win a cup, you know, um, then they lost to the Habs back when they were beginning their ridiculous stretch from the late sixties to the end of the seventies when they were the best you know, organization the sport had ever seen, you know, um, they missed the playoffs like once, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then they lost to the Bruins, you know, like you said, those, the, and then they lost to the Habs again. Like it's not, it's, they're not losing. Okay. They did lose to the Rangers once. Okay. But that was, that was the, that was the Jean Rattel Rangers. So the Rangers are like maybe the one time where you're like, eh, I don't know about this. Yeah. Bobby yeah. Hall was still there. Uh, but you know, they lose to the Habs again. And at some point, Bobby Hall leaves. I think he left in like 73 or something or 74, maybe, um, you know, but then they like they lose to the Bruins. And then like every every time it's basically there's just this one. Uh, there's one year 
where oh, there's one year they miss the playoffs, and there's one year they lose to uh, oh, they're even they're losing to the Habs in the late seventies, you know, where there's no, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like it does feel like, with the exception of that one year where they got swept by the Rangers, um, when the Rangers, yeah, the Rangers had one of the best teams in Rangers history, but also like they got swept, so that doesn't look that great. With that one exception, it really doesn't look. It it's not a. It doesn't feel like. This is it's exactly what you were saying. It's like they're running up against some of the greatest teams of all time as opposed to, you know, choking in the playoffs. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I really I mean, we'll we'll talk about this more when we get to our episode of the greatest centers of all time. But like Makita's regular season stuff is, is so impressive. It's hard for me to get super upset about the fact he only won one cup. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, they did come close to winning, too. Uh, that 62 team, he he was on fire in that 62 team. But the the Leafs that year, I don't know the Leafs. It was like they were still there's their stars who were like really old in 67 were still in their prime in uh, in 62. You know, um, and they I mean you look at that team. I mean how many of the guys should have been in the Hall of Fame? I don't know, but they've got like 10 Hall of Famers on that Leafs team. Um, so anyway, uh. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's definitely the best center of the uh, the second best center. I mean, of the '60s, and given how well he played into the '70s, you can probably put him on a short list of the best centers of the first half of the 1970s. Anyway, yeah. All right. Um, so his teammate, his line mate, rather, uh, <laughs> Bobby Hall, played from 1957 to 1972. So I was off by a couple of years there. And then came back in the NHL from 79 to 80, um, fairly uh, non-illustriously. And then, of course, he also played in the WHA for that little stretch in the middle there, which we are also going to talk about because it has a lot to do with, I think, how he is perceived now. Yeah. Um, but when he when he left for the WHA, uh, Bobby Hull was second all-time in goals behind only Gordie Howe, which is something. Um, he was also the second left winger in assists, and he was the first left winger in points when he went to the WHA, which is uh, – and he is still, it's worth noting, he's still 18th all-time in goals, 9th all-time in assists. Oh, sorry, no, he was 9th all-time in assists as departure. I'm sorry. Um, he's not 18th all-time in I, – I, my notes are slightly confusing. I'm sorry. Um, he was also the first winger in terms of plus-minus when he left for the WHA, which is a testament to how good um, – his his team and his line was he was 25th all-time in games so like despite being 25th all-time in games played he was way way up there in the offensive uh, categories and he was also the first left wing in point shares when he he left the WHA he was fourth all-time total behind it would be Howe um, and Bellavo probably and uh, I, don't, I don't know who else I, I didn't write it down for some reason uh, he was also a uh, the first left wing all time in offensive point shares. And that's because he was behind Gordie Howe. Otherwise he would have been the first winger. Yeah. Um, per game, uh, he remains uh 10th all time in goals per game. Uh, he was also, uh, he's also the third left winger. Um, and that's partly because, uh, of when he played, he's also, uh, he was third all time in goals per game when he left, uh, for the WHA. 
He was also 11th all-time in assists per game and third all-time in points per game and first left winger when he left. Um, so third all-time in points per game when he left for the WHA is extremely impressive. And uh, it's worth remembering that, like, that's higher than I think most people would think. Um, yeah. Given, you know, obviously scoring changed a lot after he left in particular. It already started to change. But... Um, Arrow-wise, of the uh, 11 skaters play in 984 games or 12 seasons between uh, 57 and 72, um, he is first in goals, and he is ahead by 141 goals. And it's worth noting that this excludes Gordy Hall because of the uh, games played. I think it does. Either that or what it actually does is it excludes Gordy Hall's, like, you know, earliest years. So Gordy Hall... May have been second. I can't quite remember. Gordy Hall. I keep calling him that. Gordy Howe. Um, but over this particular period, there was no one who could touch Bobby Hall in terms of goal scoring. I mean, 141 is insane. But he's also ahead of the next person on the list by 0.13. So what is that? Like an eighth of a goal per game, which is extremely impressive. He was also fourth in assists and fourth in assists per game. He was first in points by 153. That has a lot given that these guys are playing 74 game season. Um, and he's also ahead in, in points by 0.16, which is like a seventh of a point per game, which is extremely impressive. He's first in plus minus. He is first in offensive point shares by 30.5. That's like two incredible seasons. He's third in defensive point shares. And that's just a fluke because of course, Bobby Hull was not known as a defensive player. It's just because he was on a team that won a lot. And a goal differential. He's first in point shares by 31.4, which is, again, two very, very good seasons. And he's 13 games played. So at least by this, this group of 11 skaters, he is the best offensive player of his era. And there's no question. Um, his 82-game average is 90 points per 82 games and 47 goals, which is extremely impressive, plus 19. Just like Makita is, plus 19. Um, his 70-game average of his three-year peak of 63 to 66 is his incredible 91 points per 70 games, but also 49 goals per 70 games, which is extremely impressive, and plus 20. Playoff-wise, he was the first left wing in his departure for the WHA, but fourth all-time in goals, fifth all-time assists, again, first left wing, and third all-time in playoff points, first left wing. He was also, unlike Makita, he was a plus 21, and it's worth noting that that's possibly, at least in part, where Makita's slide sort of begins, right? At 72, yeah. once Bobby Hall leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, Makita was a, finished as a minus playoff player. Uh, he was also 17th all-time in playoff games. When he left for the WHA, he was second all-time in playoff goals per game, third all-time in um, playoff points per game and uh, ninth all time in playoff assist per game. So that is extremely impressive. He's one of, in addition to being one of the best offensive players ever at his point, at that point, he was also one of the best per game playoff performers ever, which you cannot say for his line mate. And um, I think that that's something that given his playoff track record of only winning the one cup, I think that probably gets forgotten. Yeah, um, he was such a great playoff performer, and to further emphasize that, we can talk about um, 
era-wise, 26 skaters managed to play in at least 82 playoff games between 57 and 72. And Hull is first in playoff goals, first in playoff goals per game, second in playoff assists, third in playoff assists per game, first in playoff points, and first in playoff points per game. So he is, at least offensively, the best playoff performer of his era. Um, and that is something that I didn't know going into this. Uh, I just sort of thought, given their lack of playoff su- success, he was not. So, um, adjustment for era, he is 12th all time in goals and he's the third left winger. And that that's totals though. And that is partly because of Ovechkin playing in such a low scoring era. And then, uh, I honestly don't know who the other guy was ahead of him. Um, he is also, uh, the fifth left winger all time in adjusted points. His adjusted 82 game average bumps him up four points to a pretty incredible 94 points and 50 goals per 82 games. Versus X, you will be surprised also, uh, likes him a lot. Yeah. He's third all-time in goals versus X goals behind only yeah. Gordie Howe and um, – I also don't know. Um, might be Gretzky. Uh, he is also 21st all-time in versus X points. And per game, he is uh, 12th all-time in uh, goals per game. If you raise the qualifier to uh, 820 games played, though, he is second all-time in versus X-adjusted goals per game. Wow. Uh, probably uh, Gordie Howe or somebody. And he's 23rd all-time in assists, which is way higher than you'd expect, and sixth all-time in points, and, of course, the first left wing there. So versus X really likes him and paints him as one of the greatest players of all time, which is not a surprise. Um, he, he, of course infamously left uh he was the biggest star to leave uh well the biggest current star to leave for the WHA of course Gordie Howe went to the WHA but Gordie Howe was no longer a star at that point he was still very good but he wasn't the level of star that Bobby Hulsta was um he also was left unprotected in a draft at age 40 which is shocking and he was traded um to the Whalers for unknown compensation at age 41 so no big transactions in the NHL to talk about because, of course, that all happened after he he came back. So um, there's there's stuff to talk about the WHA as well. Uh, everybody is unsure of how to really compare WHA to w- NHL numbers, except to say that you got to take the WHA stuff with a grain of salt. But the thing to remember about Bobby Hull is that he was uh, much like Gordy Howe. He was in the um, WHA on the downswing of his career. In fact, he was 34. And yet, he is second all-time in goals behind only Mark Tardiff. He is sixth all-time in assists. And he's third all-time in points career-wise behind only uh, Lacroix and Tardiff. He is also third in plus-minus behind only Ulfen and uh, Nilsson and Anders Hedberg. Per game-wise, he's third all-time in WHA goals per game for his career behind only Hedberg and Kluche. He is fourth all-time in assists behind only Ulf Nilsson, Lacroix, and Robbie Fatorik. And most incredibly of all, he is first all-time in career p- points per game for the WHA, which wow. is crazy because yeah. he was in his mid to late 30s when he was doing <laughs> that. Now, it was, a, you know, it was a minor league-ish, you could say. You could make that case, but still. His 82-game average for the WHA is an incredible 127 points with 61 goals and plus 38, which is just mind-blowing. 
Yeah. And also, you know, it's the WHA, so it's all video game numbers, but still. His three-year <laughs> peak from 74 to 77 is an 81-game average of 61 goals, same number of goals, but 133 points, so up a little bit, and plus 56. Um, he is also first all-time in WHA playoff goals, seventh all-time in assists, and second all-time in points behind only Mark Howe. And he's 13th all-time in playoff games, so he didn't play anywhere near as much playoff games as some of the people around him. He's also third all-time in playoff goals per game, behind, weirdly, only Mike Walton and Anders Hedberg, and I had no idea Mike Walton was on that. That's really funny. He's 11th all-time in playoff assists per game, and he's fifth all-time in playoff points per game, behind only Ulf Nilsson, Serge Bernier, Anders Hedberg, and Mark Tardif, and it's worth noting that some of those guys were his teammates for some of that. Whew. So... Yeah. It's it's a lot. Um, you, oh, a, yeah, we're not we're nowhere near done. Well, yeah, was, I mean, so, there's so many other accomplishments. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, just, it, it's it's remarkable. Like you sort of think of that stretch in the WHA is going to hurt his stats, and you'll be like, well, when you measure him up against other NHL greats, he's not. And you look look at his goals, and you're like, man, if he had just stayed, maybe. Yep. Maybe Ovechkin's not chasing Gretzky's number. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that's not an insane thing to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I haven't projected his uh, his NHL uh, goals per game out, but like it was even with his like shitty final season, um, his NHL goals per game is point fifty seven. So uh, let's say um, he was in the WHA one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, and he. Uh, he was healthy all but one of those seasons. So it's really six years. Um, you know, that's, uh, so what, that's like 40 goals a season for six sounds, years. Sounds about right. Yeah. Is another 240. So that yeah. puts him into the 800s, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good, good call on that. Um, so he won like Makita, he won two art, uh, heart trophies, but he finished top five in heart voting seven times instead of uh, an additional seven times instead of uh, instead of three. So he was much more frequently in the conversation than Makita. He was also top five in Calder voting as well, just like Makita. Um, he also has three Art Rosses, so one fewer than Makita. He's tied seventh most ever, and one fewer Lady Bing, whatever that means. Um, we had him as our uh, MVP only twice and our best player only twice during the heart thing. But I think those were both unanimous on our parts. We weren't like sort of not completely. Um, whereas Makita, at least a couple of his, we were not fully unanimous on. Um, but that's also, uh, I think, partly because, you know, you sort of look at total points and, and Hull was, of course, a goal scorer first. He has the most uh, first team all-star appearances of any left winger, including Ovechkin, but of course Ovechkin's probably going to pass or tie him soon, but it's, it's yeah. just worth noting. Uh, and he has um, this, the same number of end of season all-star uh, team appearances as Ovechkin. Um, Ovechkin has more second team to Bobby Hill's first team at the moment, but like I said, Ovechkin's going to pass that this season probably, I would assume, and, and still has, I mean, it sure doesn't look like he's done so it's it, it's worth it, I'd say if you're putting money on it, Ovechkin will probably pass these two records before he retires. Yeah, you got to think so, right? Yeah. Um. So Ho was a top five player by point shares seven times, which is the tenth most ever, and that was through 
most of the 1960s, he was one of the top five players in the league by point shares. He was a top 10 player 10 times, so most of the 60s and into the 70s, and that's the ninth most ever. He was the best offensive player by offensive point shares five times, and that's the fifth, uh, sorry, fourth most ever behind only Gretzky, Howe, and Lemieux. And team's top five nine times behind only Howe, Gretzky, and Richard, and he's top 10 12 times only behind Howe, Gretzky, and Ovechkin. He, of course, set the single-season record in goals. He then, uh, well, he tied it, and then he broke it four years later, and he broke it a couple years later again, and then Esposito obliterated it, but, of course, the league had changed by that point. He led the league in goals seven times, and the only player to do that more than uh, Hull is Ovechkin. And he was top five in 12, uh, 12 times, and only Howe and Ovechkin have done that more, and he was top 10 13 times, and only Howe has done that more, not even Ovechkin. He led the league in goals per game eight times, which is the most ever in the history of the NHL. He's top five 11 times, fourth most ever behind Howe, Ovechkin, and Richard. And he was top 10 in goals per game 13 times behind only Howe, Ovechkin, and Richard. Um, he was one of only two players to ever score 55 goals when he departed to the WHA, the other being obviously Esposito. He was also the uh, only player at his departure to score 50 goals five times and Esposito had done it twice when Bobby Hull left. Man. So that was uh, very distinct. He is still one of only 11 players to do that. Um, he was the only player to have 40 goals eight times when he left the WHA, and now there's only 10 players ever. Still, to this very day, it's only 10 players ever. And he was the only player to have 35 goals 11 times. Now only nine players ever, and uh, only him and Howe had had 30 goals 13 times, and now there are only 10 players ever. So, again, like Makita with assists. Bobby Hall had an elite goal-scoring peak, and then he also had... Um, he, he didn't necessarily have longevity in the same way as Makita, but he was great for his, the entirety of his NHL career until he left, with the exception if you just forget about that one season when yeah. he comes back. Um, Assist-wise, he never led the uh, league in assists of course, but he did have 40 assists six times, which was one of only eight players ever at his departure. He, of course, set the single season record for points, and he held that record for three years. He led the league in points three times, which is the seventh most ever. He was top five eight times, which is the eighth most ever, and he's top 10 11 times, and only how Gretzky, Crosby, and Beliveau have ever been uh, more dominant or longer. Um, he also led the league in points per game twice. He was top 10 10 top five 10 times sorry and that's the sixth most ever and he was top 10 12 times and only how Gretzky and Beliveau, Beliveau have exceeded that um, when he went to the WJ he was one of only eight players to score 100 points and that of course had exploded had he left had he retired or something two years earlier he probably would have won, been a couple um, but that was changing um, he was also one of it was only him and Esposito who had scored 90 points four times when he left it was only him and Howe who had scored 80 points eight times. It was only Howe, Belbo, and Makita who had scored 70 points ten times, which is a lot for back then in particular. And it was only Howe Howe Howe. who had scored 60 points 12 times. And Howe, Tovaccio, and Ullman are the only other players who have scored 50 points 15 times, i.e. basically the entire time he was in the league before his departure uh, when he left. Versus X peak adjustment uh, is extremely good to him as you might expect his best seven seasons by goals are first all time as well as his best 10 seasons 
So he is, according to the versus X peak adjustment, the best goal scorer in history. There's obviously a debate, but at least according to versus X, he is. His assists don't look so good. Best seven seasons, he's 64th. Best 10, he's 58th. But points, he's the, he's seventh all time, whether it's uh, best seven or best 10. So we're talking about one of the 10 best players of all time by at least points. Um, again, they are cumulative, even though it's a it's a sort of season thing. It is It does involve some health. Okay, WHA. He he won the MVP, also known as the Gordie Howe Trophy, twice in the WHA, which is tied with Tardif for the most ever. He also was the first team. He was the first team All Star three times, which is tied for the most left wings along with Tardif. And he had second, uh, two second teams, and he that makes means he has the most end of season All Star appearances by a winger in WHA history. And keep in mind, he was in his mid to late thirties. He led the WJ in goals once. He was top five five times. He also uh, was top five in assists uh, once and top five in points five times. So that is five out of the seven years he was in the league despite being in his late 30s. So he was not, as we discussed before, he was actually the best uh, player on the 61 Hawks who won the champion. He was the best forward. It was Pelot, uh who who was the best player on that team, at least by points. But he was the best player on the Hawks that went to uh, the finals in 65 and lost to the Hams, if I'm not mistaken. What year? In 65? What year? 65? Uh, I have won so many cups, it's hard for me to yeah, yeah, yeah. remember which year. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was the Habs. It was the Habs. They lost to the Habs. Um, and that, of course, was uh, one of the last uh, Belovo champions, I believe. I think he was on the team a couple more times after that um but um but he yeah so uh he led the playoffs in goals and points that year and then he was also uh the best player by points on um the 67 and 70 blackhawks who went to uh well it would have been the semifinals in 67 and i guess it would have been the conference finals in 70 and by the way they lost that 65 that that team uh sorry when they lost the 65 habs that was a seven game series so it's not like they uh you know, they got swept or anything. Yeah. Um, like I said, he was the best forward on the 61 Blackhawks who won the cup, but he was not, uh, at least by points, he was not the best player. Um, and I think any time, I think my bill are on the same page. If the defenseman leads his team in points and wins the Stanley Cup, it, it's it's a pretty good sign, even without watching, that he was probably the best player on that team that year. Yeah. Um, he was also a top three forward on uh, the... Uh, the 62 Blackhawks who, who lost to the Leafs that we were just talking about, and he led the playoffs in goals. But notably, he also led the playoffs in goals in 63, despite um, despite them not getting out of the first round. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, there were only two rounds back then. But That's still, right. But he, it's still impressive. Round one. Like, yeah, yeah. Still. Yeah. And he basically, you know, um, much like Makita, he was a central part, even when he had some there was like one but more than Makita he had like he was basically a top three forward his entire NHL playoff career there's only two years where he wasn't top three forward by points and they were the first two years of his NHL career or playoff career rather um and Makita had that a little bit too but we can have a few more years where he was more top six WHA he won uh two Avco Cups um, he won in uh, 76 and he won in 78, and he was a top three forward by points on the 76 one and a top six forward by points on the 78 one. Of course, keeping in mind, he was 37 and 39 on those teams. So the fact that he didn't lead those teams in points is like not a disappointment. 
He also uh, was top three forward on the 73 Jets, who went to the Africa Cup Finals. He was also the best forward by points on uh, the Canada Cup champion in 76, which I didn't know. Um, I didn't know he was actually like, he, he, he was basically the best forward on that team. I had no idea. Um, and the first ever Canada Cup team. I did, I did not know that. Of course, that was the year that uh, they had Orr and Pavan. Um, yes. But Bobby Hall still stood out as the best forward. And then also, uh, he was the best player by points on the the WHA Summit Series team that lost to the Russians in mm-hmm. four. But of course, they had a lot less to work with. So, few. That was a lot. Um, and the big question for Bobby Hull is, is Ovechkin better than him? That's basically the big question for his career. Yeah. And, yeah like, I mean, it really depends. If you value longevity, I think it's clear that Ovechkin, by staying in the NHL and not doing something else, yes. has a case. But if you if you look at, like, leading the league stuff, it sure looks like Bobby Hull has a case. The, the big debate being, did Bobby Hull get to, because Bobby Hull played in a, a much smaller league, that he just had a, an advantage that uh, Ovechkin never had because Ovechkin played in a 30 to 32 team league. Well, I I don't know. It's said there's two sides to that coin, right? Like the, yeah. the, the there we've got the international talent pool now. Yeah. So like there are a greater number of of great players, but if it was only a six team league, then a lot of guys who would be first line players now. Yep. We're on second and third lines on because there's only six teams or only so many spots, you know, yep. so it's it's uh, it's kind of a, a, a double sided coin. Like, you, you know, you weren't playing against scrubs in a six team league. Yeah, they were good players unless, you know, it was unless it was the Rangers and they were having one of their bad years yeah. where they never seemed to have the great players. Other teams did but, or the Blackhawks before Bobby Hull and Makita got there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, well, every every team except for maybe Montreal seemed to have like these down periods where they were just yeah. like, we have nobody who can play first line for us right now. Yeah. But like the overall like quality, um, you know, that's that's what my my parents always talk about. Like when they watch hockey now, and they're just kind of like, yeah, back in the old original, because they you know they grew up watching the original six, and they're like, yeah. you you knew every player on every team, and they they just you know, it was best on best every night kind of thing, you know? So, yeah, um, it, it's a two-sided coin. I think you could debate it either way. Not to say that Ovechkin in a six-team league wouldn't still absolutely dominate. Nobody's been able to stop him for pretty much forever. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I think part of the issue too is, is like, in addition to having the bigger talent pool, and like you said, you now have players on teams that would absolutely not make a smaller league. That's 100% true. You also have levels of fitness and, and, um, nutrition and stuff and and uh, coaching yes. that just didn't exist, right? Like yeah. you you may look at the talent, you may look at an NHL team right now and say, um, well, that NHL team, there's no way the, the third and fourth line could make it in in the original six by talent. On the other hand, those guys are being coached how to play uh, either like checking or defense roles in a way that like not everyone on an original six team was being, you know, some of them sure, but like the, the, the schemas and, and, and things that people have developed over the years are so much more sophisticated now than they used to be that it's really, it makes it really, really hard to judge how Absolutely, one player. Yeah. But you, you kind of like when you get somebody who's got, you know, maybe the hardest slap shot of all time, um, yeah. you know, was, you know, maybe he wouldn't have done all of his, 
you know, working out by just working on his farm in the summer, maybe he'd be in the gym doing other things. But the guy was freakishly fast and strong. He, like those things apply to almost any era, oh, right? Absolutely. So, and it's, it's, it's really like, I'm not, I wasn't trying to say for a second that Bobby Hall wouldn't have dominated rather that like, it's, it just makes, it's a really hard comparison to compare is, to these yeah. two guys who played like only in the 21st century and a guy who played into the eighties, but only because he was like ex- ex- insanely healthy um, yeah. and motivated for, for compared to some of his peers. And like, I'm sure Ovechkin would have succeeded in earlier eras and I'm sure Bobby Hall would have succeeded in later eras. The thing I have no idea what the answer is, is who, who is actually better. And the one thing that Bobby Hall has as an advantage that against Ovechkin is that like, for his like finishing top five or 10 in goals every year, there's just fewer teams, right? So like there's, there's six teams in the league. You lead your team in goals. You're probably finishing in the top uh, five, right? Yeah. Unless your yeah. team is the worst offensively. So like that um, might, might alter our perception a little bit. On the other hand, I mean, he just, he was so dominant. I, I knew he was dominant, um, I just didn't really fully appreciate how dominant he was. Also, I didn't appreciate how fully, how, like you said, Bill, if he had just stayed in the NHL, he might have, Gretzky might have never actually become the all-time goal scorer. Yep. I mean, he, he probably would have, but like, you never know. Yeah, Gretzky might have stuck it out another year or two to yeah, yeah. make sure he hit that mark or something, but he wasn't scoring a lot of goals towards the end, so maybe not. Maybe he wouldn't have stuck it out. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's really hard to know. And, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm not sure there will ever be a definitive answer. Of course, as, as human beings, we love lists. And, and so, you know, we love ranking things. Um, we sure do. And it's possible, you know, I mean, it's, we're, we're going to have this conversation when we get to our left wing episode, but like, I don't, I mean, I find it really hard. Also, it does feel like without having watched Bobby Hull play, I will say that it does feel like he might've been offensively a more complete player for longer than Ovechkin has been because of course, Ovechkin has gone through many different parts of his career where sometimes he's just allowed to just be, you know, just like all you need to do is this one thing. Yeah. Um, well, then let's start talking about Brett Hull then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, um, Anyway, I just, I mean, I have no idea the answer to this question, and I'm sure I won't have any idea the answer to the question when we get to the left wing episode, but uh, he definitely has a very strong case as the best left wing of all time, as well as the, like, I don't know, one of the very best wingers of all time. Gordie Howe is very clearly ahead of them, but then you get to, like, you know, Yager and Bossy and people like that, and it's like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Bobby Hull only had Makita, whereas those guys had, you know, in Bossy's case, he had a massive, like, fantastic team around him. And Yager, of course, had Lemieux for a huge chunk of his career, Mm -hmm. or a third of it, anyway. Um, Yeah, well, maybe it's saying something about Makita, too, that, you know, it's 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 like you sort of said like his his playoff stats really go down because maybe he doesn't have that sort of unstoppable goal scorer anymore so when he feeds somebody sometimes they don't score and they should yeah. um you know whereas bobby Holt definitely would have scored that goal so his numbers yeah. take a hit but 
when you're playing with a guy who's a great passer as a center, like they, they go hand in hand, right? You take them away from each other. And sure, yeah. Bobby Hull then scored, you know, 50 goals, 77 goals one year in the WHA, yeah. but he's playing against inferior competition. Yeah. If he stays in the NHL, he probably still gets close to 50 goals almost every year. Yeah. Uh, and Makita's stats are probably better, but I'm not sure they win any more cups because the 70s were, you know, the. Oh, the I don't think they're winning another cup. Yeah. Who are they beating, right? So. Yeah, I don't think they're beating. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I, it's yeah. counterfactual, but I don't think they're beating the, the Flyers and the Habs. No, uh, probably not. Yeah. Uh, or, the, or the Bruins, yeah. All right. Um, lastly, we have a guy with a... Oh, can I... J- just oh. before you start, one one last thing. If they had not traded away Phil Esposito, <laughs> they would have yeah. had... They would have had Phil Esposito to go with Bobby Hull and Stan Nikita, and they probably would have had a bunch more cups. So. Well, so that's a really good point, because one of the things we were talking about in the Esposito episode uh, is, like, what happened when he got moved over. And I wonder if the Hawks ever would have realized how good he was, because he was – I don't know what his ice time was when before he got traded, but he was already 25. Yeah. And he was very clearly we, – we looked – we if you haven't listened to the Esposito – episode we briefly looked into the power play numbers and saw that he was getting like no power play time on the hawks and like the moment he went to the bruins he got first first power play time immediately and just explode his scoring exploded and like it's it, it is interesting to wonder was esposito best being served by a secondary role Mm -hmm. um, given his goal scoring ability and I, I'm not saying you're wrong to suggest they would have won more cups had they, but like I don't, they might have had to like figure that out at some point. Yeah, well, the, the the trade also could have lit a fire under his ass. Um, yeah, it, you know, realizing like, oh, they traded me. Like I thought I was going to be here forever. Like I thought they yeah. thought I was great, you know. And then yeah. and then it made him mad. Um, a, a lot of um, a lot of power forwards too only really hit their stride in their mid to late twenties. Yeah. Um, a similar thing happened with Bertuzzi, you know. They, they yep. were going to trade him. They were going to. They were thinking about trading him away at some point. Uh, he was sort of, you know, the Islanders thought he was going to be just, and he'd show flashes of it, but never really put it all together. And then just sort of all, like almost out of nowhere, you're like, oh my god, he's unstoppable. Like when did this happen? And I think to to a to a lesser extent, because I think Neely did it a little bit younger. But like when like the Canucks drafted Neely, and he was from Vancouver, and they traded him away because he was just okay it was inconsistent yeah. but it's like you have to sort of grow into that power forward game sometimes uh mm-hmm. and if you don't if you don't wait long enough and you get to deal the guy away sometimes he figures it out somewhere else um yeah you know so Absolutely. who knows right yeah yeah but you're right they would have had extraordinary depth and and certainly if i'm a gm or a coach i want esposito i don't want pit martin um but like it is it is interesting to think of like how they could have been really good, but would they have been able to figure out who plays with who and ice time and, and shit like that? Yeah, that's it. Um, all right. Lastly, we have a guy who um, in some ways uh, has a shorter resume because he played much, much shorter career, but also uh, at least when you get to the playoff stuff, doesn't. Uh, and that is Ken Dryden who played from 1970 to 1973 and again from 1974 to 79. That's eight seasons, seven as a starter. We will, um, will we explain? Did I write down why he, he left? Um, no, I didn't. Okay. So I should just mention he, he briefly retired to become a lawyer, uh, <laughs> partway through and then decided he wanted to keep playing or he took a leave or whatever you want to call it. He left 
one of the best teams in history to go work for a law firm for a year and then came back. Um, <laughs> he, at his retirement, his real retirement, he was 12th all-time in wins. He had only 57 losses. It's notable he had five times, almost five times as many wins as losses, which is insane. But that, of course, happens because he was drafted by the Habs and was also very good. So you put those two things together and you end up with a preposterous uh, win-loss percentage of like whatever that would be, like 78% or 77% or something like that. I don't know what it is, but it's it's absurd. Um, he was also 20th all-time in ties at his retirement, despite not playing that long. He was 17th all-time in shutouts and he was 13th all-time in goalie point shares. Um, he played only 397 games, but again, this, we're talking about seven or eight seasons. And it's worth noting that despite playing eight seasons in the NHL, he is fifth all-time in hockey references, goal saved above average, and was third at his retirement. Um, and uh, that is a cumulative stat. That adds up over time. And the people above him are Esposito, Waugh, and Hashik, and Perron, sorry, off total and then at his retirement it would have been um esposito and Perron, um all of whom played way more games than kendra Iden did so that's super impressive um he was also uh he is third all time in save percentage behind only hashik and johnny bauer there's a name you don't expect to see on that list but anyway that's another story uh he is also uh eighth all time in goals against average seventh at his retirement and that is notable because usually we talk about guys who have really high save percentage numbers and they're they're not on the top list for gaa because you a lot of the guys who are tops in gaa are from like the early parts of the nhl right like they're their goal scoring was really low in the 20s. And if you played in the 20s as a goalie, your GA numbers are fantastic if you were any good. And um, it's notable that uh, Dryden is both top five in save percentage and top 10 in GAA because that's fairly rare. Um, so era-wise, uh, we had to reduce the number of games. Usually we're looking at it 410 games um, over a particular career, but we can't do that with Dryden. He didn't play that long, so we dropped it down to 205. He is second in wins, third last in losses, third in ties, 12th in total goals against, fifth in shots against. So he actually faced more rubber than I was thinking. Fourth in saves, first in save percentage by 0.06%, which is, or sorry, 0.06 ticks. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's 6, 6%, but it's also, uh, I, I, when you say that 6%, it sounds like it's the wrong way of saying it. So six points. Uh, and first in GAA by 0.11. So that's slightly over a tenth of a goal per game, which is a lot. He is second in goal saved above average behind, I believe, only Esposito. He is second in shutouts. He's four behind Esposito. Keep in mind, Esposito played a lot longer, a lot more. He's fourth in minutes, which is also crazy because, uh, again, he didn't play as much. He's second in goalie point shares behind Esposito, and he is fourth in games played. And it's worth noting that the leader is Esposito, and he is 169 games behind Esposito. So I wanted to bring that up because Esposito is the only person who's ahead of him in goal saved above average shutouts and goalie point shares. And Esposito played well over two modern seasons more than and I mean, goalies don't play a full season, so way many seasons more than Esposito if you prorate it, right? Like, mm -hmm. We're talking about like if if everyone's healthy, we're talking about like I don't know five seasons, four seasons, something like that. 
His 82 game average is 53 wins, 12 losses, and 15 ties, 10 shutouts. But of course, goalies don't play that long. So his season average is 32, 7, and 9. So you heard that right. He has more ties per season than he does losses, which is crazy. <laughs> wow. And six shutouts a season, which is quite high, and a 12.3 uh, goalie point share, which is very good. Playoffs. He is he was first all time in wins, uh, playoff wins by a goalie at his retirement. That makes sense because he played for the Habs and also because uh, the playoffs got bigger in the 70s for the first time. Right. It had been two rounds before and then they were three and then four. Um, maybe they just went to four. I don't quite remember. He was 11th all time in losses at his retirement. He was 11th all time. He's still 11th all time in shutouts, playoff shutouts. He was fourth all time in his retirement by only only behind Plant, Broda and Sawchuk. And his playoff save percentage is fifth all tied fifth all time behind only Bauer, Plant, Rush, Weirdly, and Prawn. Huh. I knew Rush was on that list. Um, and uh, he's 12th all time in playoff goals against average, keeping in mind, of course, the goals against average has been tracked since 1917, whereas save percentage was tracked since like 1950 something. Um, he is also second all-time in playoff goal saved above average behind Plant, and Plant, of course, played much longer than Dryden did. He was second all-time in playoff minutes at his retirement, 15th um, now, and second all-time in games played, 15th now. So maybe it's not that fair to say that Plant played that much longer, because Plant played longer, but maybe didn't play in as many playoff games as I think. Arrow-wise, of the 13 goalies playing at least... Uh, 21 playoff games between 1970 and 1979. He is first in wins, and he has more than twice the next goalie, which is crazy, but that, of course, happens. He is second <laughs> in losses. He is last in goals against, which is a good thing. Uh, he is first in shots against by over 1,000. That is crazy. Wow. He, he played so much in the 70s in the playoffs, unlike in, in the regular season, that he's o- over 1,000 shots, and he is also over 1,000 saves ahead of the next person. My he God. is third in save percentage, which you go, oh, uh, that's not so great, right? But he played uh, three times as many minutes as the first-place goalie, four times as many minutes as the second-place goalie, and faced nearly four times as many shots as the first-place goalie and over five times as many shots as the second-place goalie. So he really is first in our hearts, right? <laughs> um, I should mention, I forgot to say that, I meant to say this at the beginning, that my father went to Cornell um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if Ken Dryden started in his finals uh, year or whether Ken Dryden went to Cornell a year or two after my dad. I don't I wasn't alive. I don't remember. But if you detect any uh, enthusiasm coming from me that seems uh, biased, it's because I grew up with the belief that Ken Dryden was the greatest goalie of all time. The only hockey player I knew when I was a kid because my father went to Cornell and watched him at some point. So. Sorry, I meant to I meant to say that earlier. Um, he's also second in goals against average, but it's worth noting he had played three times as many games as the first place goalie, the guy ahead of him. He is first in playoff goals saved above average, and he is double the second place goalie. He is first in shutouts, and he is nearly double the second place. He is first in minutes by over twenty three hundred minutes. That is. Uh, like a game is 60 minutes. So uh, he is, oh, well, there it goes. First in games by over 40. So it's, you know, ahead by basically 40 games. Um, if you adjust uh, 
his stuff for era he according to uh the online save percentage adjustment i've seen he is first all time in save percentage of any nhl goalie ever of course that is not including goalies who played before like who played th- from the 20 uh, the teens through the 40s he is also fourth in uh, all time behind the goals versus average metric behind only esposito wah and hasek all played way more than dryden did and he is only 23rd all-time uh, goals versus threshold. Goals versus threshold is the idea that it's a cumulative stat as well, and it's the idea that even a below-average goalie is more valuable than nobody, um, and so that makes him look slightly worse, but he's still a top-25 goalie all-time, according to that, which is like the only time he's really just a top-25 goalie. <sighs> he was top-five in hard-roading three times. He won the Conn Smythe. He won the Vesna. Um, five times, which is the fourth most ever behind Plant, Dernan, and Hashik. Of course, only Hashik won that when it was our r- modern version of the Vesna. When Plant and Dernan and Dryden won it, it was the Jennings, what the Jennings is today. So that's something to keep in mind. But I think it's safe to say he probably would have won most of those Vesnas anyway. Um, he also won the Calder uh, the year after he won the Conn Smythe. Probably the only player in NHL history to do that. Or- or did uh, Wah do it? I think Wah did it too. Okay. Um, it only seems to happen with goalies, though. Uh, he was a first-team All-Star five times, which is probably the second most ever as a goalie behind Glenn Hall. Uh, he was a second-team All-Star once. He was a he has five All-Star game appearances because he didn't play that long. He was a best he was the best player in the NHL by point shares in '76. He was a top five player. Five times in 72, 73, 77, and 78. He was a top 10 player by point shares every season. He was a starter. He was the best goalie by goalie point shares five times. That's 72, 73, 76, 77, and 79. And the only people to do that more are Bill Dernan, Clint Benedict, and Glenn Hall. You'll note that Bill Dernan and Clint Benedict played a long time ago. Um, and only Glenn Hall played uh, contemporaneously to. Dryden and nobody has done that since. It's worth noting it's harder to do that now because there's more goalies and more teams. Uh, he was also top five every season. He was a starter, which is crazy. He was a top five goalie by point shares in the NHL every season. He was a starter. Now that it helps that he retired, <laughs> so that's that's why. But still, um, he led the league in wins four times, and that's the sixth most ever. Uh, he let he was top five in wins every season. He was a starter. You're gonna hear that a lot from me. Uh, he had 40 wins twice, and only four goalies at his retirement had done that. And they were Plant, Sawchuk, and Prawl. He had 35 wins four times, and only Plant and Sawchuk had done that when he retired. He led the league in shutouts four times, and only Clint Benedict, Glenn Hall, and Marty Brodeur have done that more. He also is one of only 21 goalies to have 10 shutouts once, and he's one of only 24 goalies to have five shutouts six times, and 13 had done that when he retired, so it's become a little more common, despite scoring going up. Um, he led the league in save percentage three times, and the only people who have ever done that more are Bauer, Hashik, Plant, and Wah, with the uh, the notable caveat that, of course, we don't know about the goalies of the 20s, 30s, and 40s to do that. Um, he was also top five six times, which is 10th most ever. He's only one of 10 goalies at his retirement to have a 9.30 save percentage ever. He was one of only six as retirement to have 9.25 three times. And when he retired, he was one of only five goalies to have a 9.25 times. Glenn Hall, 
Pond, or sorry, Pond, rather, uh, Johnny Bauer and Gump Worsley. And now for only 14 goalies have done that. He led the league in GA four times, which is tied uh, for fourth most ever by Plant, Dernan, and Benedict. Um, he had many times he was under some good GA numbers, so he's one of only 16 goalies ever to have under 0.5 GA, for example, and he's one of only 20 goalies ever to have a uh, 0.2 uh, GA under 0.205 uh, twice, which is impressive. He led the league in goals saved above average four times, and the only players to do that more are Plant and Hashik. He is one of only four goals ever to have a plus 60 goal save above average. Esposito, Perron, and Vachon are the only other ones. It's worth notable. They all, it's worth noting they all played at the same time, and so something about that uh, statistic favors goalies who played in the 70s for some reason. He is the only goalie ever to have a plus 55 season twice. Uh, Hashik is the only goalie other than him to have a plus 45 season three times or a plus 40 season five times. He is uh, one of only three goalies ever to have a plus 30 season six times, Esposito and Hashik. And he was plus 25 every season he was a starter. And only um, three uh, goalies aside from him have ever done it that many times, seven times, which is Esposito, Hashik, and Waugh. He led the leading in minutes once, which I didn't know before we did this. And also, it's worth noting, outside of the NHL, he was an all-Eastern Conference academic something. I don't know. No, he was an Eastern Conference all-conference first-team all-star every season he played in college. And he was in um, something, whatever his like conference below the Eastern Conference was, he was an all-American all three seasons in college, too. So he was considered one of the best goalies in college for the three seasons before he went to the NHL. All right, we're almost there. <laughs> he, he won the Conn Smythe in 1971 when he came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, he, well, not nowhere. He was possibly the best goalie in, in U.S. college, but still, that was yeah. like not a normal pipeline um, in, the, uh, in, in the hockey world at the time. So it's worth guessing that for some people, he... Um, he came out of nowhere. Uh, he led the playoffs in games. He played every game. He led the playoffs in wins, shots against saves, and minutes. He did not lead the playoffs in the usual things we care about for goalies, save percentage, GA, and shutouts. But, of course, they won the championship. And I believe that season, uh, forward-wise, there was a little, like, um, it wasn't, there wasn't a clear, oh, Mahovlich had a great playoff. Mahovlich would have been a, a decent Consmith candidate too, but I think some of this was just like there's this kid. Yeah. Um, he came out of college and like maybe we weren't sure we had a goalie. And he played every, you know, he played every minute basically. Yeah. Well, it's uh just to sort of loop back to that because we're talking about Roy before, so I looked it up just to uh, make sure I wasn't making a mistake there. Um, so uh, they both won the Consmith as rookies, but Roy did not win the uh, Calder the next year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Just a little correction. Dryden's still the only one to have done that. Yeah, and it's crazy. Um, so then he was a starter on many champions, uh, but what he did on each one of those champions is different. Um, I listed, I'll list in the show notes. I'm not going to go through all of it. He won um, six Stanley Cups. He only won one Conn Smythe, but he was, of course, the starter uh, on those other six Cups. And in many cases, all but one no, all but two of those cups. He he. No, all but one. Sorry, only in '79 it looks like did he um. Uh, did he 
not play every game. So in '79, his his last his last run, he didn't. There was one uh, there was one game where he. I mean, he uh, sorry. Uh, in '72 and '75, he may not have. I I don't know um, if he played every game because they didn't win. But the years they won, there was only one year that he didn't play every single game. So he was reliable enough. Even though you may look at some of these save percentage and GAA numbers and go like, there's some years he was exceptional, like the late '70s. But his save percentage numbers in the early part of his playoff career are not great. And you may look at them and go, you know, well, he wasn't that good. But the fact is, he was reliable enough that he rarely he got he essentially got pulled once it seems. Um, yeah. Or like someone else started ahead of him. And honestly, in '79, I don't remember um, from the game, but honestly, it might have been health or or fatigue or who knows. Um, yeah. And well, then if you want to talk about reliable too. Yeah. He yeah, eight, he played eight years and won six cups. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about as reliable as it gets, right? It's about as reliable as it gets. And then, lastly, we need to note that he won. Uh, he won the uh, the Frozen Four in '67 um, <laughs> when he was a uh, first team All Star for the NCAA tournament. He was also uh, the conference first team goalie. So he, in both the the conference playoffs and also the frozen four, he was considered the best goalie. Um, and then um, they didn't win in 68 and 69, but he still uh, was a tournament all-star both for the final, like the frozen four tournament. And also mm-hmm. he was the first team conference all-star for those two teams as well. Cause of course they won their conference in order to get into the frozen four. So um, he was, you know, as I said before, he was one of the best co- goalies in college but he was also the best, one of the best playoff goalies in college at the time, even though they only won once in three years, they went, they were close to winning uh, the two other years as well. Um, yeah. Since we're mentioning the beginning of his career too, he was drafted in 64 by yeah. the Boston Bruins. <laughs> oh yeah. Third round, um, 14th, uh, 14th overall. Um, he uh, then ended up, I don't know how he ended up playing for Montreal. Maybe the Bruins just released his rights. Maybe they, the rights expired while he was in college. Maybe he became a college free agent because he'd gone. Oh, he was, he was traded. I forgot. I forgot ah, to mention okay. it. Yeah. In, in probably one of the worst trades um, in. Uh... Talk about a trade coming back to haunt you. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Let me, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because somehow I missed that he was, I just assumed he was drafted by the, I didn't even look. I'm sorry to say, but um, I'm just trying to uh, see if we. Uh, oh, somehow, yeah, that trade didn't register even on the. Well, anyway. Um, oh no, I never finished that. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm talking out loud, thinking out loud. So I was at some point, it was on my list to do a, a worst and best Habs uh, trades posts, as we have yeah. done with the Canucks and the Maple Leafs, and I guess I just didn't get that far to this one yet um, to know. But like, he, this is the trade. It's June 64, so presumably when um, when he informed the Bruins he was going to college. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is uh, Ken Dryden with Alex Campbell, uh, not Alec Connell, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, for Guy Allen and Paul Reed. And these guys are illustrious enough that they don't appear to have hockey reference pages. Oh, boy. So that has got to be one of the all-time worst trades in the history of the NHL and I'm sorry I missed it, but thank you for bringing that up because it sure looks like it is. Yeah. Well, I, I, I went to check out his page when you'd mentioned that he, uh, how few games he lost. Um, and I was 
focusing on that stat and I noticed that um, he, he never lost more than 10 games in a season, which is yep. ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> uh, but then I, I just said drafted by the Bruins. Seriously? How did I not yep. know that? <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you're absolutely right, though, without actually looking it up. It's got to be, you know, that he he said, I'm going to college. And they're yeah. like, well, not on our, you know, not we don't want your rights if you're going to college. Yeah. Because he was drafted, of course, a couple years before he went to, like, before he started playing for Cornell. Yeah. Um, so the big question, of course, is, was my father correct? Is Ken Dryden <laughs> the greatest goalie of all time? I, I know how I feel about that as an adult, but of course, I never saw Ken Dryden play. Um, he, he's because, definitely in the conversation. Like, I don't think he's going to have this conversation without his name coming up. Yeah. And I think honestly, it's it's really like the only criticism you can have is that his numbers look better because he retired at 31 and because he took a year off when he was like 20, whatever it was, very young, 73. So uh, he was like 26. Um, and so it's easy to be first all time in adjusted save percentage if you played less than 400 games, right? Um, if you if he plays 600 games or 700 games, maybe those numbers come down a bit. But like the fact that he's like where he is in the goals saved above average stat, which is a cumulative stat, is not, and that takes into account both GAA and save percentage. Though it also uh, helps that you know it helps to be on a team that wins games. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think he's 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 probably top three, right? Top three or four at Gotta least, if not. If not, if he's not first, because like Hashik is his best competition. Wall, and then the problem is we don't know enough. Um, if we had save percentage stats going all the way back to the uh, um, to the teens, we could have a better concept of uh, you know how how to compare those old time goalies. Even though the game changed so much, it's still hard. But we would at least have something else. You know, like those goalies who would have like. You know, they play 22 games in a season and have 12 shutouts, right? Like, yeah. now that was that was the state of the game. But like, if we had save percentage, we'd have at least some idea that some how those guys compare to now. But I think if we're talking about like original, uh, well, at least save percentage era goalies, he's I think he's got to be top three. Yeah, well, it's it's just like in in terms of dominance, it's sort of like no matter where he. I mean, he obviously only played for. Montreal and the NHL, but like his his record, like just in terms of he, even if he didn't have a great game, it seems like he just basically never lost them, <laughs> unless his team didn't score. Because yeah. his uh, his record his last three seasons at Cornell was seventy six and four. Like, I mean, just bonkers, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and with one tie. And those um, you got to think like uh, one of those losses in the last two of those seasons are are the loss in the tournament, right? Because usually yeah. the college stats include both yeah and it's like is it, is it just he's playing against inferior competition given that he was the the 14th overall pick when he was 16 years old into the nhl um you know it's uh one of those things i'm, I'm trying to see why the bruins traded him that's what i'm trying to briefly look out now that i found this out um <laughs> yeah i realize it's funny there were so many um 
there's so many uh, players we've been talking about the last few classes that weren't drafted that I just didn't even pay attention to the draft stuff. So I'll have to uh, fix the notes before we put them up um, because I also didn't look at how he compared in yeah. the draft because honestly, I didn't remember that he had been drafted. I just assumed he was, you know, found somehow. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you got to think that everybody wants that draft back but it was the draft was really weird back then right like that was a he was the third round pick <laughs> which is crazy yeah. but that's because yeah, well, there were only 16 right? so, yeah yeah but it's 14th overall i mean and it was a 16 year old goalie yeah so apparently um he refused to report to the bruins oh okay but uh, you know probably because they're like we want you in our system we want you playing in the minor leagues and he's like no yeah. i'm gonna go to college you know so i think yeah. you're i think you kind of hit that nail on the head he you read his book. He might have mentioned it at some point, but you know he, he probably did. I it was long enough ago. I don't remember. Yeah. But like the draft was so bad back then that like of the twenty four players drafted in his draft, uh, one, two, three, four, five played in two hundred games. Yeah, well, because mo- mo- most of the time back then, if you were on everybody's hockey radar, somebody had already signed you because there was, yeah. like there were no rules against do- yeah. like like Bobby Orr got signed when he was fourteen. So yeah. The guys who played more games than Ken Dryden in his draft are Sil Apps's son, who was still a decent hockey player, Tim wow. Eccleston, and Mike Pellick. Wow. Yeah, Mike Pellick, 441 games minus 14. Um, but of course, uh, they're forward. They're well, one of them's defenseman. Pellick's a defense. The other two are forwards. So that's you know there were no other uh, goalies. Uh, from the draft to make it into the NHL. But like you said, Bill, that's back when people were already signing players. Yeah. All right. So um, to wrap up, uh, Makita, so all all three of these guys are obviously obviously yeses. Mm -hmm. Um, But the big question is, Makita, um, top 10 center, top 15 center, top 20 center? You know what? The only reason that, like, because we were, just before we started this episode, we were sort of discussing our when we're going to do our next, uh, you know, top 10 of all time sort of thing. And I'm like, Makita didn't even register for me. And like, I'm going to have to go back and think about it. But so many good centers. Like, yeah. if he was a winger, slam dunk. Like, no, yeah. no question, he's in a top 10. Like, yeah. Top 10 centers? Like, it's, he, he might be there, but he's going to be towards the back. Like, it's really yeah. tough, you know? Like, I have him near the back of my list. Spoiler alert. I yeah, well, I've, I, I've got, you know, I'm like, Bobby Clark, Mark Messier. I'm like, where are we? That's yeah. really hard centers. There's a lot of really good centers. <laughs> it's, yeah. tough. it's the toughest so, position, I think. It is so. the, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, once you get past the first two, it's like, uh, I don't know who's three. I really, really don't know who's three. Yeah. Um, Bobby Hull, best left winger of all time. Wow, there's only one other guy, right? <laughs> yeah, there's only one other guy to have that conversation with. So we will have that. So that's. Stay tuned for that episode, which we will have in the coming um, weeks and months. And then lastly, Ken Dryden, I think we're both. I mean, I, I can only think of two other goalies right off the top of my head who I would possibly have above him, maybe. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, and those are uh, uh, Hashik and Wah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I mean, maybe maybe I'm not being fair. I mean, Perron had a great career, but he was also like, 
his his peak was sort of like just two years right where he yeah. was like best goalie in the world for two years and then and then there's like other guys who i just haven't thought enough about yeah there's there's plant and bowers some of the old guys yeah, plant for sure you know. glenn hall yeah uh, and then we caused we talked about tony esposito as one of the greatest of all time but the problem with him is that his lack of playoff success is really really yeah, hurts like, him a lot. Regular season, Tony Esposito is in the short list of the best goalies ever. Yeah. I, but if you include playoffs, then it's like, I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> All right. That's it for us uh, this episode. Um, and then next episode, we're probably, we're thinking we're probably going to have one of our um, best forward of all times lists, whether it's centers, left wings, or right wings. You will probably find out then because we haven't decided yet. So. <laughs> Um, so thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next time. Take care.